States choose to rob us. Why not? You're all here, indulging your particular biases. And so I've come to indulge mine. We need to clarify the difference between a specific you and a collective you. Because we don't want to know why Joe Alien is here. We want to know why they all landed. Where are they? Sir, it's protocol for a reason. If we take one step out, they're as good as dead. Besides, we've got a full load of spice. We can't just leave Damn it. Damn the spice! I want every man off that crawler now! Coming up, our March Tawny Frogmouth Film and Food Column bonus episode. Hello and welcome to the Film and Food Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Roberts, and thank you so much for joining us for this bonus episode. So, this is a bit different to the things we usually do. It's not part of our regular scheduled episodes. It's not a film and food review. It's not a fantasy film and food draft or anything like that. But, as I'm sure you've probably heard me talk about, I actually get to write a column for the local magazine in the area I live, which is the Northern Beaches in Sydney, Australia. And this magazine gets sent out to 50,000 letterboxes in the local area, but is also published online on their website. And I actually get to write a film and food column that's 500 words, and I talk about a current movie or TV show, plus another movie and another TV show. So basically two movies and a TV show, plus a recipe, all in 500 words. And I thought this year, now that I've been writing for the Tawny Frog Math for a little while, it'll be a really fun idea to make a bonus episode where I can go a bit more in-depth to my reviews, to my recipes, so I can talk about it a bit more because in 500 words, I only get to say so much. So if this is your first time listening to the Film and Food Podcast, I definitely recommend you go and check out our other episodes. We do film and food reviews, foodie movies. We do Quick Bites episodes where we catch you up on everything that I've been watching. We've got fantasy film and food drafts, triple threat episodes. We've just launched our new format, the Filmography in Food, where I ranked and reviewed all 10 Denis Villeneuve films. Plus, every year I also do my top 10 films of that year and our annual Film and Food Awards, where I give out awards to the best film and food of that year. So go check those out. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform and make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere on social media. And now let's dive in to this column. So my March Tawny Frogmouth column is spectacular sci-fi. And Denis Villeneuve is one of my favorite directors. Of course, you can go check out a whole podcast that I've done on him ranking all of his movies. But for now, we're looking at two of his movies in honor of his new release film, June. So this column is spectacular sci-fi. I review the movies June, Arrival, the TV show Westworld, and make a spicy chicken taco recipe. Now, June has been out for a while. came out in cinemas in Australia in December, but it's been out for a while after hitting film festivals and has come. You can actually rent it on YouTube or Amazon Prime, and I think you can still watch it in theaters. So there have been many different people who have tried to make TV adaptations of 
1967 novel by Frank Herbert, which is one of the most defining but most hard-to-adapt novels, sci-fi novels, of all time. And Denis has wanted to do this ever since he was 13 years old and read the book for the first time. And frankly, I'm really glad that he waited until he was able to get the budget and his directorial skills were at the point where he could really knock it out of the park. This is different to all the other versions we've got, including David Lynch's version. There's also been failed attempts to bring this to the screen. And I can just say that this was a pretty spectacular viewing. I've tried to read the book myself and really have gotten three quarters of the way through, but found it really, really tough to read. I found it an excellent, compelling story, but there's just so much world building. And if you've read or watched the movie yourself, you can understand how dense and how sometimes experimental storytelling is in terms of the effect of the spice and what it does to the main character, Paul, all those sorts of things. But with that said, if you haven't seen June yet and you are a sci-fi fan, I definitely, definitely recommend you go and watch this in a movie theater. I think Denis Villeneuve is on the level of Christopher Nolan right now in terms of being able to create these absolutely spectacular, incredible technical achievements, big budget blockbusters. And there's not many people who are doing it like Denis and Christopher Nolan are at the moment. And in June, he proves that he has made the ultimate June adaptation we have so far. Well, if you don't know, this movie is actually a part one. So it's the first half of the story. And I'm really thinking after the success of this movie that they're absolutely going to nail it out of the park with June 2, but we'll have to wait to see. But everything in this movie is really functioning on all levels. It maybe is on the level of Blade Runner 2049 in terms of a just a visual achievement. This isn't Roger Deakins, however, who shot Blade Runner 2049. It's Greg Fraser, an Australian cinematographer who did the movie Lion. He also is about to do the new Robert Pattinson Batman film, The Batman. And the cinematography in this movie is just, I think I mentioned in my review, it's just gigantic. It's spectacular. It is everything you want an out-of-the-world extraterrestrial sci-fi film to be. It's the spaceships, the desert, everything is so expansive and so grandiose and it just takes your breath away. Denis Villeneuve, like Christopher Nolan, doesn't cut corners in terms of visual effects. He uses a lot of practical effects and I've done a lot of research looking up how Denis has actually chosen to not use green screens. Instead, he had screens that matched the color of the sand so that when like helicopters were being shot, the reflection would be a sand-colored reflection back in the shot. A blend of practical and computer-generated effects in this film is just mind-blowing. It is some of the best effects I've ever seen. Of course, they're done by a guy named Paul Lambert, who won the Oscar for Blade Runner 2049 and also for First Man. Uh, both impeccably good-looking movies from a visual effects standpoint. The score in this film is done by my favorite composer of all time, Hans Zimmer, and he is probably going to win the Oscar for this one. He really brought this fantastic new twist on what he usually does. He's using the sort of vocal grandeur of a score like Gladiator of his, while also these rhythmic drums and this searing electric guitar, and it is just stunning. I think my favorite scene in the movie is the spice harvester sequence where 
I don't want to spoil too much. I'll just call it the Spice Harvester sequence. But the directing, the cinematography, the score, the visual effects, every part of that scene just made me think, wow, this is just incredible. Of course, you have an all-star cast led by Timothy Chalamet, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin. The list goes on and on and on. Zendaya. Um, and they all just are perfectly cast in their roles. After reading the book, I really just felt they all exemplified their roles so, so well. And the story. The story was the main concern for a lot of people about whether this movie would actually work because it's pretty notoriously hard to adapt. Would it be too heady for most people to enjoy because there's so much exposition and world building to be achieved? Or would it be too easy and reduce the great intelligence and complexity of the novel and make it too easy for people to watch. And I think they actually struck a perfectly good balance. Um, the only reason why I wouldn't maybe give this a 10 out of 10 or a 5 out of 5 is sort of from a story-making perspective in that in the first half of a story, you do feel somewhat lacking when that story doesn't really have some sort of a resolution. of, And there's enough of a story to pull you through the movie, but... I definitely think, like Lord of the Rings or like um, Kill Bill by Quentin Tarantino, that you'll want to see these together. When June 2 comes out, it'll be like June 1 and June 2 are just one movie. And so I definitely felt like that sort of dragged it down a little bit for me, but I had an absolute blast with this movie. It's the technical achievement of the year, and I highly, you've got to watch it in a cinema. You need the biggest screen possible. So go and check out June if you haven't already. Let's move on to the other Denis film that I reviewed in the Tony Frog Mouth to accompany June, which is his 2016 sci-fi film Arrival. Now, I don't want to spoil any part of my Denis Villeneuve ranked podcast episode that I did recently, but Arrival is right up there for me as one of my favorite films of all time, really. I still remember coming out of the cinema in 2016 when I first watched this film, just knowing that I have saw something special, something mind-blowing. Just that feeling you get when you're dizzy and sort of your whole world is shaking when you come out of a film. It's what I felt when I first saw this movie. It's the story of Amy Adams, who's a linguist. She's tasked with helping the American military communicate with these aliens who have appeared in 12 different ships all around the world. That's about as much plot as you really want to know if you haven't seen this film going in to watch it. It is surprisingly intelligent. It is really beautiful and stirring and emotional. It's actually Denis Villeneuve's most emotional film, I think. I think it's his most human film. If people have a criticism with him as a director, it's that his films may be too cold or detached. Yes, they're beautifully directed and shot, but sometimes it lacks the emotional heart that people want when watching a movie. And I don't always have that criticism of his, but I connect to Arrival the most, especially now becoming a father myself. I just am a sobbing mess by the beginning and the end of this film. And if you know if you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking about. The script is one of the best scripts, sci-fi scripts I've ever seen. It has one of the best endings, and it is just this thoughtful rumination on language and communication. There's a powerful theme of choosing to love no matter what the consequence. If you could see your whole life in front of you, would you still do the same things that you were going to do? Would you still 
make choices knowing that they could be bad. But what I think this film spoke about in 2016, but still speaks even more today, is the power, this is the need for humans to communicate with each other across all sorts of divides, especially politically and as nations. Instead of turning off communication and seeing everything as a threat, actually coming to the table and having a conversation is what we need more than ever today. Amy Adams gives one of the best performances I've ever seen. She is just so, so powerful and entrancing, and she's got to play an incredibly difficult role communicating with these non-existent aliens in terms of shooting when she's doing that, and she is just spellbinding, naturalistic, incredible. The music by Johan Johansson, may he rest in peace, who was Denis' original composer collaborator, is fantastic and really mixes with the sound design to give us these really sort of alien feeling music. And it really builds up the tension building in these scenes, the visual effects, every single aspect of this film just coalesces. It's so beautifully shot and I just can't really speak about it enough. It is one of the best sci-fi film. It's not a heavy action film. It's not a heavy sort of alien invasion type of film, but instead it's this thoughtful, intelligent, beautiful, powerful film that everyone should go and check out. So if you haven't seen Arrival, please, please go and make that happen. And I don't think you are going to regret it. Finally, the last thing that I want to talk about uh, in terms of reviews on this bonus episode is the TV show Westworld. Westworld is co-created by Christopher Nolan's brother, Jonathan Nolan, as well as Lisa Joy. And it spans so far three seasons. And its focus is on this theme park of sorts that exists in the future where humans can live out every desire and fantasy using artificial consciousness in this park called Westworld. And it's, of course, Wild West themed and it's serviced by these robots that are extremely human looking act like humans that play the role as hosts for the guests the humans that come along and i won't really say much else about the plot except that there's a lot more lying beneath the surface secrets things that rise up and change and over the course of three seasons westworld is a pretty wild ride i feel like i'm hesitating talking about plot specifics too much because that is half of the fun of this show, is going in pretty blind and riding the roller coaster as the plot twists come, as things change, and as you get to know the characters and get to know this world. It has a fantastic cast, including Evan Rachel Wood, Jeffrey Wright, Ed Harris, Thandi Newton, Tessa Thompson, James Marsden, Anthony Hopkins, Kemsworth, Aaron Paul, plus a whole lot more that play different roles throughout the series. It has incredible production values, incredible music by Ramin Djawadi, who is the same composer who did Game of Thrones. He gives us an incredible opening number that goes with the title sequence, which he is famous for, giving an amazing opening credit title sequence. He also does great piano cover songs that fit into the plot of the series throughout the show, plus just amazing, incredible music, this Wild West sort of synthy mix of music and it is just fantastic. Really, this show is full of intrigue and surprises and it is a rumination on artificial intelligence and humanity and the choices we make and what defines us as human beings and it really is 
what I just love most about sci-fi, which is that rumination on those themes. And of course, the amazing world that's realized visually on screen. It is, it's a really great series that if you're a sci-fi fan, I definitely, definitely recommend you check out. Okay, before we finish off with this bonus episode, I want to talk to you about the recipe. My link to this recipe was, albeit a little bit stretched, but thinking about June, June is a movie where the otherworldly spice that fuels space travel and can affect the mind and make it powerful and make you see into the future and all of these sort of things. The thing that the thing that Paul and Duke Leto are responsible on the planet Arrakis, which is the only place where it exists, this is the link to my recipe today. Spicy fish tacos. So of course the recipe will be linked in the article, in the show notes on social media, everywhere you can find it. So you can go read that recipe. But I also just want to talk about the recipe a bit more. So my wife and I have been having these spicy fish tacos for a long, long time. And they are just the perfect scrumptious meal. It's fresh, it's fun, it's vibrant, it has a little bit of kick of spice to it. And so basically what happens is you use barramundi and you rub it in this really fantastic spice rub, which just adds this another level of flavor to the fish that makes up the bulk of the taco. Of course, you've got your hard taco, or your soft taco, whatever you want to go with. Then it's up to the accompaniment. So the recipe, I only had a certain amount of words. And so in the recipe I have, you have chipotle sauce, sour cream, corn, and this green slaw that is made out of cabbage and spring onion and lime juice. And that makes for an incredibly fantastic taco. If you're like us, you can make your own chipotle sauce. And I'm going to include that in the show notes, some bonus tips and some bonus recipes for you to make to make this dish even better. So if you want to make your own chipotle sauce, really simple, it's really easy and it's really tasty, make sure you go check out the show notes. I'm also going to include how to make your own spicy, cheesy corn. So this is where you rub chipotle on grilled whole corn cobs and add parmesan cheese and it is just an incredible accompaniment to this dish. But let's get back to the tacos. So you've got your taco, you've got your fish, you've got your chipotle, your sour cream, your corn, and your green slaw. If you want to add one more level of spice, well, I'm going to link you in the show notes to a to a pineapple hot sauce recipe that we just adore. This uses chili and pineapple to make this absolutely bursting with delicious flavor sauce that you can put on these fish tacos. So if you think about the levels of spice we've got going on, we've got the spicy fish, we've got the chipotle, and we've got the pineapple hot sauce, plus the sour cream to balance that out, and the green slaw to add this really fresh, vibrant crunchiness and texture to your taco. Now, if you add all of those elements together, I guarantee that anybody that you have along will be just bursting with flavor when they try these, but also bursting with excitement about how yummy these fish tacos are. It's a great summer recipe, not much oven time. You only really need about 10, 15 minutes in the oven to cook the fish, to heat up the tacos. The rest of it is done yourself. It's really fresh and fun to eat it with your hands. It's just a fantastic recipe. So I would love you to try that. If you want to, send me a photo, show us, talk about it, let us know on social media. So if you want to try this out, go to the show notes. You're going to find the recipe and you're also going to find those bonus tips, which is how to make your own chipotle, 
how to make your own pineapple sauce so you can go and make these fish tacos yourself okay like i said this is a short and sweet fun bonus episode but i want to hear from you what are your thoughts on the movie june arrival what do you think of the show westworld and its three seasons plus i want to hear what do you think of this recipe have you tried it yourself what do you put on your fish tacos the best way to have this conversation is on our social media facebook instagram and twitter shoot us a message or a comment we'd love to hear from you but also make sure you go and check out the tawny frog mouth and this month's film and food column just need to go to the show notes or onto our social media facebook instagram and twitter it will have the article there linked for you as well as those bonus tips that i was telling you about so you can make those extras for those fish tacos we're going to be back with another tawny bonus episode next month with our next column so stay tuned for that and also stay tuned for our regular content coming from the film and food podcast thanks for checking this out thanks for listening i had lots of fun recording this thank you to the tawny frogmouth for giving me this platform it's such a privilege and an opportunity to write for you and yeah that's about it from us if you haven't already make sure you go and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform we're on apple Podcasts, we're on spotify we're everywhere you can find podcasts make sure you give us a rating and review on spotify and apple Podcasts. we'd love to hear from you remember to join the conversation we'd love to hear your thoughts so that's about it from us goodbye and thanks for listening